emailing, texting, asking questions, doing things like this. Guys, let me help you out with this. Let me give you a little perspective. I think, I think you know this intuitively, but, but there has been a mindset in conservatism for so long that we assume because there's saber rattling on the other side that it's over and we've lost. Okay? Here's the reality of this. When we went to bed last night, they canceled uh, counting in two states. Uh, Michigan magically found 140,000 extra ballots this morning. And they were like 98% uh, Biden ballots. That is, an, that, that is a miracle. That is, the, the, the liberals need to thank Jesus because that was powerful. Um, supernatural right there. Guys, so Giuliani was already on it today. They, they've already started lawsuits against this, trying to, to get to the truth of this. We know this is corruption. Uh, we know it's corruption. Th this, is the, this is the weird thing about this, though. I, I guess I still have this, this naivete that says our country can't be this boldly, blatantly corrupt. <laughs> I mean, are you, are you thinking about what I'm saying? Am I the only one that just in the back of your head, you're like, how can they be so brazen to just come up with? And they've got video of people driving in in cars with ballots stacked in their cars and unloading them. We've got video of this. How can our country be this corrupt? Well, let me give you a little bit of insight. And, and I'm going to talk about this a little bit Sunday, but from a different angle. I think, I think you'll like, I think you'll like the, the, what I'm going to talk about Sunday. Um, God's been putting in my heart for two or three weeks coming up to the election and what this looks like. You've actually heard me say little trinkets of it, but, but, um, but coming up this week, and I don't want to mess it up right now because I'm getting very close to doing that. But um, here's, here's the, the thing is, we, we, are, we have been... See, on a scale from 1 to 10, the corruption of this election is about a 2 or a 3. Guys, we've been murdering babies for years, decades. Our hands are so bloody from the blood of babies that something simple like this means nothing. I'm saying in the hearts and souls of people. It means nothing. To, to play games with all this, the whole FBI thing for the last three, four years, that's child's play. We've been trafficking children through Washington, D.C. and some of the highest levels of government for decades. For decades. And, and when we see something like this corruption of the election, we're like, oh, how can we be this corrupt? At least that's the way. I, I mean, I'm really struggling with this. I could not believe we wake up 140,000 ballots found, just found, just magic. And like, like I think my wife texted me this to, earlier today or something, we were talking about this. My son was on a rant about all this. And um, <clears throat> you wouldn't know it, but my middle child is hardcore conservative, hardcore. He thinks I'm a little light in the britches sometimes with all this stuff. But he... he he, am I allowed to say that? I, that felt like it was, is that okay, Linda? Was that? All right. So, um, so they were texting back and forth. My wife is the one that said, do they really think that we're just idiots and we're just going to roll over and take it? But here's the deal, guys. We've been rolling over and taking it for decades. The closest we came to not taking this is when Newt stood up in 92, I think it was. And, uh, um, planning on, you know, and, and Newt did fine. Newt, Newt did some stuff, but, but it, was like, it was like almost spitting in the wind kind of thing. And, and it, but at least it was the beginning, okay? Um, but here's the thing. Is there's, a, there's a different sheriff in town, and Trump doesn't play, and he's got the resources to back it up. He doesn't have to have somebody whispering in his ear, and Giuliani has, for some reason, become his... Um, wingman, <laughs> which I like because Giuliani is an amazing lawyer. You know, he was a powerful lawyer before he ever became mayor. And uh, so who knows? Who knows how this turns out? But here's what I want to encourage you. Don't, don't give up. I'm saying in your mind and your spirit, don't give up. 
God is bigger. Now, I, I know, I know we're a corrupt country, and, and, I'm, and I've been praying hard. I've been praying, God, I don't want this to be, you know, where we've seen all through Scripture and all through history, where when the people beg for an ungodly leader, and they beg and beg, and God gives them one. And I, and I, I, I hope that's not where we are. I believe believe that there's still enough people that, that believe in our country. And, but here's part, of the, here's part of the problem is, is of all of the people that are voting uh, for, for the conservative mentality, they're not voting for the moral mentality. And that's where the breakdown, I think, spiritually is going gonna, is gonna to have the biggest effect. Okay? Hands down, I don't care what these um, um, pro-life evangelicals for Biden believe. Guys, I don't care what they believe. They cannot they cannot stand before God on that. They can't. And so I don't know where all this goes, but I just don't think that, that everybody that voted for Trump were voting for babies. Okay, that's where I'm struggling. Because our state overrode our, our attempt to try to back abortion up. We overrode it. Here's my question. Who hates babies that much? I just don't get it. That's demonic. That is not a political thing. That is demonic. Satan is destroying babies, and we're voting on it. We're voting on it like it's a tax reform or something. So I do believe that, that God is, well, we know this. We know what Scripture says. God is holding us accountable for this stuff. God is holding our country accountable. He's holding people accountable. Um, Christians think they can play these games and these spiritual games and couch it in some kind of scripture or do something else. It was amazing how many Christians I saw online um, today that were throwing all kinds of, well, you know, the Christians say we can't vote against this, but we, I think this is the best thing for our country, and, and it's not just about the babies. I've heard so many sermons from ministers. I'll listen to them for about 10 minutes, and then I... I, I I turn the phone off and I clean the puke off the phone and I, and I try to move on. But how many pastors are saying, well, some people it's the babies that's the issue, but other people it's the quality of life and that's just as important as the babies. You be careful with that. You think living in a, in a nice house is more important than murdering the babies? Because we, we've got to make sure. Now, regardless of what happens over the next couple of days, obviously this is going to be drawn out but I'm really not worried. I know a lot of people are getting discouraged. I'm hearing that from people. I see it online. Well, I guess we've lost this. I guess we've lost. we have not lost this yet. Okay? This is a lie. This is a this subterfuge. And, and the liberals have been doing it so long, and they expect the conservatives to roll over. They expect it. We've been doing it forever. And so just continue to pray. Continue to pray. This is not over God is still God, and our prayers are, are, making, are having an effect. I'm going to show you that a little bit more Sunday. Our, our prayers are having an effect. We've got to know that. We've got to know that. This is not a Democrat versus Republican. This is good versus evil. Don't underestimate that, okay? Some of the stuff we're voting on, like in local level stuff, it's not good versus evil, um, but, this, but this is. Um, I'm not saying Trump is good and Biden is evil. I'm saying Satan is trying to use left to destroy God's uh, kingdom in the hearts and minds of individuals in America, and he's going to do that through the governmental control. And so this is good versus evil. This is Satan versus God, and we just have to keep praying, keep praying. You can't vote again, unless you're in Michigan. You can't vote again, and so you just have to pray, right? All right, I'm going to jump into this, but before we do, let's do something weird. Let's pray, okay? God, we commit our country to you. Lord, I, I just believe in this country. I believe that, that we started something called the Great Experiment. But God, I believe that the, that the experiment side was politics, but that the foundation was you. And so, God, we pray for our country. Lord, you, you, we used to want you in charge of our country. And God, we repent because we have chased you away. Lord, but I know, I know you hear the cries of your people. I know you do. So change this thing. Change it. In the name of Jesus. God, change it. We know that you are bigger than the evil that is happening. 
God, give us one more chance. Give us one more chance. In Jesus' name, amen. I've, I've mentioned this before, but this is the crazy, this is the crazy irony of what's happening in our country now. You can vote socialism in, but you can never vote it out. Because you don't vote anymore. Your votes become nothing. The only way you can get rid of socialism is through war. That is the only way. There's never a time in history when it's changed any other way. It's always through war. And so what we have to do is we have to defend liberty and the republic before socialism takes over. And that's where we're on the line right now. That's where we're on the line. I, I, know, I know a lot of people, man, I get, anytime I say this stuff, I get so many negative comments from people about this. But I really believe this. If, if, I'm, if you think I'm wrong, whatever, but I, I believe this. I really believe after that. Because they'll, they'll declare me incompetent. I'll only be president for six months. Kamala Harris will be president after that. Because they'll, they'll declare me incompetent. Because why? Because he's incompetent. But here's the thing with that. Or they'll just let him go to prison. Right? Um, but here's the thing with that. We will not. Because um, I heard somebody today was talking about, well, then four years later, Trump will run again, and maybe we can win this thing. Guys, if this election changes, we crumble. We don't come back from this. We don't. And we've got a bunch of naive Christians that are, they, they, that are playing games with this stuff. And they think it's just, it's all okay. I get tired of watching Christians online saying, doesn't matter who becomes president, our country doesn't change that much. So, pray. All right. Anything before I move on? Nothing? All right. Let's go to... Wait a second. Do I have this up somewhere? Yeah. Let's go to John chapter 9. This is... Um, <clears throat> so I'm staying with this supernatural thing, this, this looking at supernatural things, because I think it's, I think it's very important for us See, part of, part, of, part of my deal with all of this stuff that we've been seeing is that we've been playing games for so long in the church. Again, this comes back to... Why is this not responding? Hello. We've been playing games with, with, in the church for so long that we have forgotten... We have forgotten what the true power of the Holy Spirit is and how the Holy Spirit operates. Again, that goes back to the scriptures that... that um, that, uh, we, that, that we have a form of godliness, but we don't have the power of it. You guys, how, how can you come up with anything else but basically what we're seeing in our country today? We have a lot of church, and we've got all this stuff. We've got so many resources. We've got everything at our disposal, so much stuff. But, but it's a challenge to actually see a miracle happen. It's a challenge to actually see a, a salvation, a legitimate Holy Spirit transformed salvation. I don't mean somebody coming alongside a moral mentality and a church. That's not what I'm talking about. That is so common today that we've lost the idea of what a salvation truly is. A soul getting saved. Okay. I may have to use an old Bible. Okay. Rick, can you hand me that? Biblia right there. Okay, we've, we've gone so far that, and, and this all works together. The reason that, that our country is the way that it is is because we have gone so long without power in the church that we truly think that what we're doing is the legitimate model. We're, 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 we're doing this. And I know, I know when I say this stuff, it makes it sound like I'm condemning all of us in here. And I'm not, but I, but I am saying this as a kind of a, let's sober up a little bit here with this thing. Christians in today's society can go years and years, never witness to somebody, and think they are being obedient to the, the greatest commandment, which is love God with everything, love your neighbor as yourself. We've, we've limited our Christianity in America today to loving God, um, but not loving our neighbor. And then we, then we fake it and we couch it in, well, if we're being embracing of everything, then we're loving our neighbor. You're not loving your neighbor. You're condemning your neighbor. 
When we just embrace everything out there because we want people to come to our church, we're actually condemning them and we're complicit in their journey toward hell because nobody's telling them any different. But we call that, we've got so twisted in, 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 in church thinking that we call that love. We call that love. And then we say things like, well, you've got to speak the truth in love. And we put the emphasis on the love, not the truth. Well, then what is the truth? If you're speaking the truth in love, what is the truth? The truth is the whole counsel of God. Everything the Bible says. If the Bible says it, that's the truth, and that's what we have to speak. But what we'll do is we'll start parsing it because, well, these things are a little difficult. These things are negative. I, I get this question every now and then when it comes to something like divorce because we're not allowed to talk about divorce anymore. These are the two issues that we stopped talking about about 30 or 40 years ago. Divorce and, uh, and uh, fornication. We don't talk about those anymore. We passed fornication up during the 60s. We just moved right on. Now our, our sexual issues within a spiritual context is, is LGBT stuff. That's where the, that's where the front line is. That's a DMZ right there. And we don't realize that, that the, the, the front line is way back here, according to God's word. It's way back here. Something like divorce. We're not allowed to talk about divorce. And um, I've, had, I've had three or four people ask me just in the last couple of weeks about divorce. First, divorce is not the unpardonable sin, okay? I don't want to misunderstand that. But here's something that we just kind of move on in society today. It says that God hates divorce. The church doesn't even say that stuff anymore. We don't even talk about that anymore. We're not allowed to. Why? Because more than half of the church has been divorced, so rather than continue to discuss it and say, look, there's some issues we still have to deal with. Yes, we've, we've involved ourselves in this. Yes, this has become the norm. But we've got to talk about it because Scripture says after you've been divorced, if you remarry, you're committing adultery. Doesn't it say that? Think about what I'm saying here. But we can't go there. Because if we go there, half the people in the room are like, well, I'm done. I'm going to hell. That's not what we're saying either. The Bible doesn't say that either. Okay? You can be forgiven of that. But to just pretend like it was never a bad idea or wrong in the first place? Four or five years ago, since I've been here, I, I, I just knew, I knew God was putting this in my spirit. Okay? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you something inside, inside politics, inside thinking, pastoral thinking. This doesn't happen real often. It caught me off guard when it did, but I knew what the Holy Spirit had told me. I had, I had put my message together, and, and I have examples. I'll put like little notes in my in little lines in my notes to tell a story, and it just be a two three words because I know what the story is, right? I put this one a little more detail because I knew exactly the story that I needed to tell. And so I'm speaking, and it, I don't remember which service. I think it was second service. I'd already said it in first service, second service. This was this was four or five years ago, more, probably more than that. And I get to this, this example, and I'm, and I'm preaching this. Now, I've been looking across the congregation. I've been paying attention the whole time. I knew God had told me to say this. So I give this example that had happened 15 years previous uh, with, with somebody that I knew in the church. She had cheated on her husband. She had cheated on her husband multiple times, but she cheated on her husband. I'm trying to counsel with him, trying to help him figure it out and do all this kind of stuff. We got this, and probably seven or eight months later, she's, she's, she's cheating again while we're counseling, you know, that kind of thing, because she's trying. And, um, and, and he's done. I'm done. Not that I had a vote, but I'm done. And, uh, and she said to a handful of people three or four different times, she said, well, this is not that big of a deal to my kids. They won't be affected by this. Um, kids were about six and eight, six and nine, something like that, around that age. She said, this won't affect my children, okay? I am telling this story in this church. And as soon as I finish telling the story, I know this, you, you guys, they didn't go to this church, no. This was, this was a long time ago. It's long before we ever got here. But I was speaking about it in this church. Yeah. Linda's making sure everything's good. Spat me on the arm. So um, <clears throat> I knew this. I knew this in my spirit. Guys, I had been looking around the service the whole morning and everything. It was a, 
I really believe that God had my eyes closed, and as soon as I finished saying this, my eyes opened. And I looked, and she was visiting the church that morning, and she was sitting about where Linda was. That caught my breath a little bit. She should not have been here. There was no reason for her to have been here. And uh, yeah, I, I know it was a God thing, but I'm sitting there looking at that. And I finished saying that. And I look up and she's sitting there and she's staring at me. It's a good thing we were in church. Because <laughs> she's a tough girl. And she carries. <laughs> Guys, here's the reality of this. Satan wants you to believe lies, and he wants you to believe them all day long. Lies about you, lies about your neighbor, lies about life, lies about morality, lies about what's right, what's wrong. We've got uh, Stephen sitting here. We went to lunch. It wasn't today, was it? Yesterday. And we're talking about this. He's going he's gonna to do some speaking for us. Um, their ministry is um, dealing with uh, the effects, the addictions, and everything of pornography. And how that works, and they, they travel around, they do all that kind of stuff. And we were talking about that, and, and we are talking about the reality that, that statistically there are guys right here in this room right now that are dealing with pornography. We know that. Statistically, that's the reality. Okay? But here's the thing. We've got so many issues in the church that we can't go there. We can't talk about it. We can't help guys. Because of stigmas and, and, um, and what the church is about, and whether you're a good guy or a bad guy or whatever. We've got so much junk... And Satan just keeps the lie, keeps the lie, keeps the lie. I, I, I told Stephen, I, and I don't, okay, this is not, I don't think this is the way it works, all right? But I wish it would. I wish the Holy Spirit would just step into the room and just name everybody that's dealing with this. And say, stand up. And you know, you hear their name, you know. And, and then you have to stand up. Why? Because I really believe that the exposure of that is, is, is 90% of breaking the walls down. As long as you keep it hidden and it stays a lie in your spirit, you can't move on. And Satan de- deceives us and defeats us like that. And, th- and it's that way with a bunch of stuff in our life. Guys, there's all kinds of stuff in our life that Satan is using to destroy us. He's tearing us down. And we just keep buying into it. Keep buying into it. John chapter 9, verse 1. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Have you ever processed that before? Let's own this a little bit, okay? I grew up in, in the Assemblies of God back in the 70s. We had a little bit of legalism in our church mentalities. Just skosh. Um, I really thought, I really thought, and this is the thing, is we, we, I went to... Good church is not good church, good church, whatever. But I really thought that if something bad happened to me, um, I deserved it because I had done something wrong. I had sinned. So I deserved it. And I used to think this at a young age, very young age. I've told you that I used to lay in bed at night at, at eight and nine years old and pray, sincerely pray, seek the Lord. And sometimes I would, I would pray too. I'm, I mean, a kid, I'm looking back now going, I was a weirdo, but... I would sometimes lay in bed and pray for two or three hours, just worshiping God. My favorite song was, um, Jesus, 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 you know that song. And uh, I, would, I would sing that for hours and lay there and pray. And then I would pray before I'd go to bed at night, I'd pray, I mean, before I'd go to sleep, I'd pray, Jesus, if you come tonight, please don't leave me here. I want to go in the rapture. Please don't leave me here. And I would beg God because I felt like I was too sinful to actually go in the rapture. I'm eight. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's not healthy mentality. I just spent an hour worshiping God, praising Him, loving loving the Lord, and then still scared to death that I was going to miss the rapture. In fact, Chris and I were joking about this today. I I would call my grandma. dad's here he doesn't know because <laughs> he was paying for the charges but I'd call my grandmother when she hung up I'd hang up I mean when she answered I'd hang up because why because I knew she was going if she was if she answered the phone we're still good 
Anybody else ever done that? You called my grandmother? Oh, okay. You, you know, there's always that person you know that you know that you know. Um, sometimes you, you, you wait for the phone to ring, and if the wrong spouse answers, you wait, because you're not sure about them, <laughs> but you know about the other one. So, I mean, I, I used to be scared to death of the rapture. That's not healthy. That's, that's not a healthy approach. And I, and I used to think stuff like this. Well, if, you know, if somebody was blind, it's because they sinned. But this happened so the work of God might be displayed in this life. Now, some people say, well, then God made them blind so he could get glory. I don't think that's what he's saying. God's not a blinder. He's a giver sight to the blind. Right? As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. This, this is very powerful what Jesus is saying. He's talking about this guy being blind and then he starts shifting into, this is what we're on the planet for. This is important for us. Remember what I talked about last week, where Jesus said, go heal the sick. Just go heal the sick. Go do it. It's, it's expected of you that that's going to be part of what you do as a Christian. Go heal the sick. But see, here's the thing, is we've, we've, we've pushed off. Now, 100 years ago, we, plus 120 years ago, we saw a a, t- a turnover, and we saw what we call the, the um, modern Pentecostal outpouring. We saw a resurgence of the Holy Spirit, and the power of the Holy Spirit, gifts and signs and wonders, and that stuff grew, grew, grew. And then over the last 20, 30 years, we've seen it dissipate quite a bit, okay? And, and I've been in both contexts. I've been in the context where everybody around you are getting healed all the time, and I've been in the context where nobody's getting healed, okay? We see that uh, slow down, dissipate, whatever, and, 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 and in the same side, the exact same time frame, the Pentecostal charismatics um, embraced the evangelicals because finally the evangelicals said, you know what, maybe we got some of this wrong. Maybe we're, 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 we could understand some things, and we would like to raise our hands during worship too. And so now we're Pentecostal. It wasn't about the power of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't about demons being cast out, the sick healed, uh, speaking in tongues. It wasn't about those things specifically mentioned in Mark 16. It was about, I I wrote my doctorate, my my dissertation for my doctorate was this basic concept. It was much bigger than what I'm going to say, but this was the, the core. Is the modern American church has embraced an empowerment for church enrichment and we left empowerment for witness somewhere along the past. And because of that, empowerment for in church enrichment does not last because that wasn't the purpose. And so we embrace the Holy Spirit to give us exciting church instead of power over the demonic so people can be saved. That, Acts 1.8, you will be my witnesses, not you will be my great worshipers in church services. Not you will be great clappers and even an occasional tambourine player. No tambourines. I mean, you understand what I'm saying. Guys, think about what we've done in the last 30 years of the church world. We've embraced a Pentecostal form because it's more exciting. It's more embracing. People like it. You can also, it makes more sense because you can, you can rock and roll better to Pentecostal style worship than say, Lutheran, right? So we embraced a spiritual concept, but we left, this is the Holy Spirit changing lives, transforming, bringing them out of darkness into light, saving their lost soul from hell. And we changed it into something else. And Jesus is saying this. He's talking about this blind man being healed. And then he says, but, but uh, as long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. So apparently, <clears throat> apparently embracing the idea of this man being born blind is, is why Jesus came to the earth. Now think about when Jesus gets up in the temple and he quotes from Isaiah. What does he say when he gets up in the temple and he unrolls the scroll? What, is, what was that? Whatever. That's the Holy Spirit right there. No, I don't know if it is or not. Um, 
So what does Jesus say when he gets up in the temple and he unrolls a scroll and he reads and he says, um, the Lord has appointed me to do this. Heal the blind, cast, um, uh, you know. Uh, and, and, then, and then he rolls the scroll and goes and sits down because he was fulfilling it as he was reading it. He wrote it about himself prophetically through Isaiah. Then he gets up 600 years later and reads it about himself prophetically. It doesn't get any better than that. And he says, I came to heal the brokenhearted, to give, blind, uh, to give sight to the blind. This is, this is what he's saying here. This is what God sent me to do. This is what we're supposed to be about. Guys, this is what we're supposed to be about too. Jesus sets the example. This is what we're supposed to be about, right? You are supposed to heal up the brokenhearted, give sight to the blind. You're supposed to heal the sick. You're supposed to cast out the demons. You're supposed to speak in tongues. You're supposed to do this stuff. Scripture says it over and over and over. But if we think the Holy Spirit came to give us a, a juke and a jive while we're worshiping and not power to save souls, we've missed it. That's why we can't move forward. That's why we're stuck in this holding pattern in American church. So then what flows out of that? Sin has its way when and how it wants. Sin has its way. We're, we're playing. I wrote on another paper one time talking about um, one of the things that I think is egregious in a Pentecostal mentality. And, uh, and it's amazing. One of, one of the lines that I wrote in there, and I, the reason I know it was kind of a Holy Spirit-inspired line is because it stuck with me. The things I say don't usually stick with me um, or with you. But he, here's, here is what, here's what stuck in my head. As I'm writing this, and I said, you know, we're so much about the, the, the Pentecostal church is so much about dancing, and I really believe that many Pentecostal churches across the nation are dancing on the graves of the lost. And we don't even know it. They're dying and going to hell and we're having parties. Um, plastic parties. Thin parties. Instead of, my next door neighbor is dying and going to hell. And I, and I when, when do I care? When do I care? And Jesus is saying right here, guys, this is what we came for. This is what I came for, and he's about to tell us the same thing for us. He says, as long as it's a day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Have you ever wondered why? <clears throat> Did he need to do that? I don't think so. Why did he do that? By the, by the way, I don't think there's a completely right answer, so I've got some ideas, but uh, Chan? I've read that. There's not really a right answer here, but I do think there's a wrong one. No, just... I think that's way better than that. I've read the same thing. I'm not picking on Jan. I'm not picking on Jan. I'm picking on what she read. <laughs> because, I, because I've read that stuff before, too. I don't think that plays out. I think that makes a little more sense than that. Because here's the thing. Jesus was the firstborn of whom? Not Joseph. Yeah, he's a, he's a firstborn of God, so I just don't think that would apply there. So, so God does it. I mean, Jesus did it different all the time. What, what was something else? Len, did you raise your hand? It's a different way to say what he said. You, you know, I, so as long as we're not crossing the line of disrespect, I totally agree with the way Landon said that. 
Because Jesus is cool and he was weird. And here's the thing is Jesus was very countercultural. He did some things just to irritate people. Okay? Here's something else about the spit and the dirt that turns to mud. That's icky. What if you're the blind guy and you hear him? I don't know how he, I don't know what I don't know what happened here, okay? I don't You got to get enough spit to make mud. I don't know. These are the things that Linda looks at me when we get home and goes You could hear Jesus spitting. Yeah. He, here's the thing. Jesus spits in the dirt and he makes mud, right? The, the guy can hear him doing it. Here's something. I know this is just kind of going down a bunch of things. You're like, please stop talking. But here's the thing. Don't you think as Jesus is picking up this mud and starting to put it on his eyes, he can smell it? Jesus did not brush his teeth. You, I, you're like, he, but he was God. He didn't have to brush his teeth. He had human teeth and human breath. I think there had to have been. I do believe that the primary reason is just because Jesus did things differently. But I do think sometimes he did it to push people into a corner a little bit and make them have to process. Am I okay with this? And it might not have been the blind guy that was struggling with this. There was people standing around watching this. And, and there was always, always the Jewish leadership standing around watching. Always. Trying to catch him doing something wrong. So now he's doing something that is very unclean. He's not allowed to act like this and do this kind of stuff. This is a very unclean thing. Okay? Not to go into detail, but anything that comes out of the body was unclean. Okay? That includes spit. And so he rubs this and makes a little mud thing. I really do wonder how much spit did it take to do that? I, I'm, not over, I'm not trying to overdo that. I just want you to think this, this one like two. And it, you know, it, I think he had to work at it a while. So then he gets the mud and he puts it on the guy's eyes. That's just gross. But Jesus is just, this is the way I'm going to do it. Are you okay with that? Are you good with that? If you have never read anything about Smith Wigglesworth, you need to go get biographies of that man and read them. Read them. They will change your thinking about some stuff. Because Smith did not play by anybody's rules. Anybody's, one, one thing in particular, there was a tent crusade, and this lady comes down, and she's all bent over, and she's got a big tumor um, on her stomach, like the, uh, large, like, a, like the size of a, a cantaloupe on her side. And she's walking up, she's bent over, and Smith goes down, he's praying for her, and then all of a sudden he just hauls back and hits her as hard as he can in the stomach. And people started rushing the stage to attack Smith until they realized that the tumor was now sitting on the ground and she was straightened up dancing around. I don't know what to do with that. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm saying this from the pastor's side of this. You know how loud God would have to yell for me to slug somebody? I, but, but see, Jesus didn't play by anybody's rules. Jesus just, he just didn't. I, I don't think that's bad either. I, I think these things are reaches, though. Yeah. Right? I think it's really, we don't have God figured out. All those things we've been saying. Yeah. We don't have him figured out, and it's just a chance to explain to those the things we see in the New Testament of how, how the apostle did this, or, you know, when someone was healed from someone's shadow, or it, there's, there's nothing. Yeah, go, go to Peter's shadows, and, and his shadow healed people. What, what's the formula there? I mean, we try so hard to come up with stuff that makes sense biblically, contextually, and in Judaism kind of thing, right? And sometimes we reach so hard to get that stuff, 
And Jesus is, is listening to us and, and saying, no, it's really just because I'm cool. I, I, I think that's a little more of a legitimate answer. And Jesus is like, I'm kind of cool that way. I like to do stuff. Sam? Yeah, the shadows mentioned once, Paul sending napkins once, um, Jesus doing mud once. Yeah, he didn't make a pate out of it first. I don't know, is that considered a pate if it's mud? Does it need to be chopped to meat? Yeah, so, so here's the thing with that is, and, and the term that Sam's using here is normative, there's a difference between normal and normative. Normal is can it happen. Normative is this how it should happen. Okay? And um, Jesus did a lot of things that just were not normal, but they became normal once he did them. Because if it's happened once, it would be considered normal. But not normative. Right? And that's what Sam is saying there. Is Jesus establishes what's normal and not. We don't. But if he established it, we can follow it. Now, that's not, that shouldn't be our model. That shouldn't be, okay, now, every time somebody is blind, I'm going to spit in the dirt. That's not, what he's, that's not our, our expectation. But here is our expectation. If somebody is blind, what's the normative? Jesus can heal them. And it's through us. Jesus is going to heal them through us. That's the normative. That's the expectation. That's how, it, how it's going to happen. But we don't know the, the formula for how that's going to happen. Maybe prayer. Maybe I, I, I had this guy years ago that um, he, was, he was a good friend of my pastor's. My pastor was a, was a um, healing evangelist uh, in the 50s, in the 60s. And, um, and then years, years later, I was his youth pastor. And and people, like I said, people would get healed all the time in that church. And he had a, a friend of his named um, uh, David Nunn. Does that sound right, Linda? I think that sounds right. And this guy was, was an evangelist, same with like Oral Robertson. My pastor was friends with all these guys, right? And, um, and this guy came and he, he had a kind of one of his, I guess, I don't know how to say this, but his specialty was praying for deaf people. And, um, and he would put his fingers in their ears and he'd pray for them and pull his fingers out they could hear. And that would happen. I saw it happen probably a dozen times. Um, and that's the way he prayed for them every time as he put their fingers, his fingers in their ears. Is that, did, it ha did he have to do that? I don't know. That's the way he did it. That was his um, go-to. But it doesn't mean that Jesus was limited. It's not like Jesus is saying, I'm not going to heal them unless you put your fingers in their ears. Do you follow me? But, so, so, so let's break that down just a little bit. Why would he put his fingers in their ears every time? For him, that was his contact of faith. That's how Jesus had done it before. He knew that that would happen. And so that, for him, that built his faith immediately when he began to pray for somebody. When he put his fingers in their ears, he knew they were going to get healed. But that was, I really believe that was mostly just limited to him. It wasn't, it didn't limit Jesus. But for him, that was the case, right? Um, which, by the way, it's okay for us to have those kind of things. Have a couple of faith triggers for yourself. For me, it's a couple of scriptures that I will quote when I'm praying, quote in my head sometimes out loud, because they build my faith. And I've seen Jesus do stuff, right? Okay. Um, he told him, go wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing I think it's cool that he had to go to the pool, too. He was still blind. I don't understand some of the things that Jesus does. But Jesus said, okay, now i got the mud on your eyes. Now run down to the pool and uh, jump in and you'll be healed. And he did, and he was healed. 
Okay? His neighbors and those who had formed it, you know what, I'm going to stop right here. Um, yeah, I'm going to stop right here because this is where the story shifts and it goes into what happens after he gets healed. All right? I don't want to jump into that tonight. Because I want to unpack, it's going to take a little while to unpack all the rest of this. So, so here, is, here is, should be our expectation. When somebody is blind, why are they blind? According to this scripture, why are they blind? What? I, I can't understand what you guys are saying. So God will be glorified. Wouldn't that be the category for anything on the planet? This is just an opportunity for God to get the glory. Instead of trying to figure out all the bad things that brought it to this moment, let's just start with, because God's pretty big and he wants to show off. Let's start there. Okay? Um, is it because his parents sinned? No. Does that mean his parents never sinned? No. His parents were sinners, just like he was a sinner. There was only one non-sinner, and that was Jesus. So were his parents sinners? Yes. Did that make him blind? No. Right? Now, again, as we discussed a few weeks ago, sometimes sin causes sickness. Scripture says that. But let's not jump to that. Okay? Let's not, let's not go to that place. Um, it's too condemning. And you're not going to get anywhere. Just start with because God wants to show off right now. God's really big and he wants to do something supernatural. Whatever situation you're in, doesn't matter physical, uh, financial, whatever, whatever situation you're in, God wants to do something big. Start right now, this moment, with that thinking going forward. God wants to do something big. Mental and emotional. Those are two things we just leave out of the subject most of the time. Jesus wants to do some big things in you emotionally. He wants to do some big things with you mentally. Let him do it. So how do we do that? We start with um, God wants to get the glory. And then we ask Jesus, who's in charge of everything, to heal us. And then we're just obedient to what he says. Okay? Some people are like, if I get healed, if I feel like I get healed, then I stop taking my medicine. And um, then other people say, don't, don't stop taking your medicine. God doesn't, you don't have to stop taking your medicine to get healed. Guys, here's the thing with that. I don't think there's an answer, and I think we get involved in God's business too much with that kind of stuff. If somebody strongly, strongly believes that the Holy Spirit has told them to stop taking their medicine, don't argue with them. You're not God. They may be wrong. But it'd be better that they be wrong and you didn't have any input than they be right and you talk them out of it. Because I know many people... That God told them to do something, like something silly, like go wash in the pool of Siloam, and they did it, and God healed them. And I've also heard many stories where people did stuff and they shouldn't have. Okay? Here's my conclusion to that. I'm not Jesus, and I do not, I do not try to advise people in those situations. Now, if it's something like, I believe God's given me wings, and I'm going to jump off this building to prove it. That's, I, I do step in in places like that, right? So should you. But I'm not talking about that kind of stuff. Okay. Um, we, we've got to stop trying to figure this out and be the judge because we know how God does stuff. Sometimes he does really cool and weird things. That's the best I got with that. Okay, here's the other thing is expect God to do this. And, and here's the thing with this, because we've talked about this even here with our deaf community, that um, I've talked to a lot of deaf people that, don't want, they don't want to talk about praying for them to be healed. They don't want to discuss that. Um, they don't like it when you discuss it with them. It's not your business is the way they would approach that. And here's part of the deal with that is they have relegated themselves to this is wh who I am. This is, this is my life. And sometimes it takes a little bit to convince somebody it doesn't have to be. Same way with the blind guy, it doesn't have to be your life. God's pretty big. He healed deaf people, blind people, people with no legs, people with no arms. He raised the dead. Jesus can do anything. But oftentimes we convince ourselves that this is my, this is my plight, right? Is there anything maybe we could come up with right now in this room that we kind of just settle for as this is the way that it is? Landon, you're shaking your head, yes? What? 
I want you to share, Landon. Are you worried about offending old people? No. Okay. Yes. He told us one time at a men's prayer meeting, I'm not as old as all you guys, so I don't really have all the baggage that you have. <laughs> and all the guys were like, you got me. What's, what's something that we just kind of ex, uh, embrace as just part of who we are that maybe God's bigger than that? Are you going to answer or not, Randy? Okay. It's just who I am. Um, my body's broken this way, and that's just who I am. We just embrace it. Uh, and, it's, and I do appreciate the fact that you brought up mental emotional stuff because it's amazing how much we just say this is who I am. Um, ADHD. So, so just my personal feeling, I don't believe that most of the people that are diagnosed with that have that. I think they're just people, and we're all different but you're getting on somebody's nerves and so they diagnose you with ADHD. Or when your marriage is not well, your spouse diagnoses you as bipolar. Right? But there's some legitimate times with this. Why, why would God say, well, you know, I can heal cancer, but that ADHD, that's a, that's a bridge too far. That's, Huh? That's, what, that's why God created Ritalin. <laughs> Guys, I know this. What else? Gluten. What about that? Gluten and um, allergies? Like um, Linda's allergic to uh, almonds? Does God stay away from allergies? Is that like off the table? I mean, seriously, guys. What about as we get older, our eyesight gets worse? Is there anywhere in Scripture that would disagree with that? Anywhere in Scripture that as you get older, you just have to deal with certain things? What? Where's the Scripture that would disagree with that? Uh, he will renew my strength. He will give me strength. There's tons of, what about, what about um, Caleb? When, when Caleb took, when they crossed the river and Caleb took um, the mountain and fought the battle of Jericho, how old was he? He was 80. And it says he had the strength that he had as a 40-year-old when he went across the river the first time. God kept him healthy and strong, the exact same that he was at 40 when he went across the first time. So why do we assume in today's society that we got to fall apart? Now, I'm not saying that that, that, that doesn't happen. It does. We're, we're always dying. Our bodies are always dying. But don't you think God is bigger than some of this stuff? And we just kind of accept it. We just kind of, this is, this is my plight. I can ask God about this. And we could, we could name things all day, Mike. I, I do believe that. I do believe we trust in medical science. Now, I do believe that medical science is a gift to us from God. I do believe that. I'm not, I'm not anti-medicine, anti-doctors, any of that stuff. But I think, I think we just kind of roll over sometimes. Satan walks up and kicks us in the teeth, and we go, well, I guess, guess I'm gumming it now. Instead of trying something else, instead of just go to the, 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 the king of everything, the king of my body, and saying, God, I give you my body. You you have authority over my body. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, his wife was very unproductive. 
in that whole story. And his friends were too. His friends were too. You know, I mentioned this Sunday, and I'll, I'll close with this statement. Um, I mentioned this Sunday that, that a lot of people have been saying to me um, over the last months now, um, saying things to me like, Pastor, thanks for being bold. Thanks for standing up. Thanks for doing this. And, and I don't negate my role in this. I'm not taking me out of the conversation. I, I, don't, I don't believe in, in uh, faux humility and stuff like that. I know God called me. I know God put this back in my heart. Uh, when, when the COVID thing started, I knew from the beginning that, that this was demonic. I knew Satan was playing us, all that stuff. You guys have heard me talk about this. So I'm not taking me out of the, the conversation. But like I said, Sunday, unless... I mean, I could be bold and open the doors every day, but until people came in with that same boldness, I'm, I'm, I'm um, just one voice, right? The, all the people sitting in this building on Wednesday nights and Sunday mornings are part of this boldness thing. We're part of this together. We're part of, we're, we're doing this together. Um, that's why I believe in, in, um, in, in certain things when it comes to, we, we, gotta, we, have to, we have to walk together in the boldness of God and accomplish the things that God has called us to accomplish. Okay? Does God want there to be supernatural things around here? Yes. Who is it going to involve? All of us. Is, are we going to push forward? I, I tell you this, let me, <coughs> and I'm going to say this Sunday too. I don't care what happens in the next few days or few weeks, um, whether Trump remains president or Biden becomes president, I'm, I'm telling you now so there's no confusion, I will never, ever shut the doors of this church. I will never, if I'm the only one in this building, I will never shut the doors and go home. I don't care if they, if they make it, the, the police are standing outside with guns. I will walk up and open the doors and I will have church in here. They can take me to jail. I am not going to compromise on this. And I'm sick and tired of baby Christians or, or babies that call themselves Christians that are capitulating on all this kind of stuff. There has to be moments that we stand. And when it comes to God's sovereignty and his word and his, and his plan for us, we have got to take back the bold thinking. And I'm not saying attack mentalities. I'm saying personal stand mentalities. God wants to do supernatural things here, and I'm going to be a part of that. God wants to get his word into people's lives, and I'm going to be a part of that. And I don't care what the government says. I know that makes me some kind of horrible rebel and, a rebel, and I'm tired of people quoting Romans 13 incorrectly to me about this. I, I don't care what the government says. I'm going to have church. That's how simple it is. And, and guys, I'm not expecting anybody in here. To, I think you have to know that God's told you to take that stand. Be careful just saying, well, I'm with pastor. Don't. That's it's going to come out as I'm with stupid, okay? You, you can't do that. You've got to have that in your spirit. If God puts that in your spirit, I'll stand with you. But, but there has to come a moment when we say, this is what God's word says. This is who he wants us to be. We do not have to just roll over and let Satan beat us up. And sometimes you've got to take the risk and it may not work out the way you want it to. And I am willing to do that. I've got, Linda's got a fairly new car. She can live in the car. That'll be her input into this. Aiden? What did you say? I, I, I spoke about this about three or four months ago when, when um, I was talking about it says that we're supposed to obey the government. And so the, the, the way that it's just getting blanketed over the church right now, and, and preachers or, or pastors and church leaders are beating up guys like me with this, is saying, if the government says it, you have to obey them. And, and I can just ask one simple question. It tears down the whole stupid argument. Is, what about the people in China? Are they not allowed to have church? Because it's against the law there. Are they not allowed to have church? Yeah, Paul, Paul broke the law constantly, but it was for the kingdom of God. 
And, and Romans 13 is talking about, it's either 13 or 15, I think it's 13. Am I wrong? 15. But, but it talks about obeying the government because the government will, will do good in your life. And I broke this down a little while ago that, that when the government stops being um, for the good of the people, then you're allowed to push back so that the kingdom of God is built. We see that all through Scripture. You're not going out and disobeying the government because you don't like what they're saying. You're disobeying the government because they're trying to stop the kingdom of God. And in, in the kingdom of God arena, Paul broke the law constantly. Jesus broke the law. He, that, that's why they killed him. He broke the law. And so when it comes to building the kingdom of God, I, I don't think there is a law against that in a spiritual realm. You build the kingdom of God. And sometimes that means you're breaking human laws. But here's the deal. You also got to be ready to go to jail for it. Okay? That's part of the deal. Is you can't just say, well, I'm going to break the law. And then you're like, God, why did they put me in jail? Because you broke the law. That's why they put you in jail. The problem is, is that's a man's law, and I'm going to build the kingdom of God. And I'm never going to compromise on building the kingdom of God. Does that make sense? All right. I'm going too long, so let's stop. How are we going to pray? What's God putting in your spirit? Nothing? Yes, ma'am. No, I get what you're saying. So what she's saying for you guys can't hear in the back, she's going to give a list to God of the things that she's got wrong and, uh, and then just let God do this stuff. And I would say not see if he can, but expect him to. Say, God, here's my list. God can handle lists, right? So, so that's a great place to start. God, here's what I need done. Heal me. So, you know, going back to what Diane said, she, God healed her eyes, but then she walked up and down the hill. That's, that was a different thing. Okay? What else? What's God stirring in your heart? Here's what God's stirring in my heart. I want him to do supernatural things. I just want him to. I know, I know he wants to. I know, I know God is like, is like um, pushing at the harness. He wants to do supernatural things, but we've we got to get to where that is. It's us. we got to get to there, wherever that is. And I'm just praying that like crazy. Okay? So let's pray. Lord, we, we surrender this to you. We surrender our, our lives, our mind. We surrender our bodies to you. We surrender, Lord God, that you're the king. I bow my knee to you, Jesus. I bow my soul, my spirit to you. God, I pray all across this room, if there's, if there's anything that we have convinced ourselves, we just need to deal with. We just have to, this is just who I am. This is what I, this is what I struggle with. Lord, I ask you to break that. I believe that's, I believe that's a stronghold that Satan is trying to, to lie to us about. God, I ask you in the name of Jesus and the authority of Jesus, break that stronghold. Break it and open up our minds and our spirits. Give us Give us uh, open spiritual eyes right now. Give us freedom in our spirit now to recognize that this is, this. we don't have to think that way. God, free us of that. And now give us that breakthrough in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Lord, I, I want you to just cut loose in this place and do the things that you want to do. Lord, I know, I, know, I know it's your heart. God, help us to, to, to not get caught up in the games and not get caught up in the lies and, and all this stuff. And Lord, help us to just pursue you, pursue your word, and let you do some just amazing big stuff in our life. We thank you for this. We thank you ahead of time. We thank you on this side of the miracle that you're going to just do big things. We know it. And God, we, we continue to pray for our country. Lord, we, we, we plead your blood over our country. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so pray about this some this week, right? The next few days, pray about it. 
God, help me see big stuff. Help me see, help me see you do what you want to do. All right? So shake somebody's hand. Hug their neck. We will see you um, Sunday morning if the creek don't rise.